This is Indie Business Podcast, Episode 94. Welcome to the Indie Business Podcast. I am your host, Donna Maria. I am a business coach, certified entrepreneur mentor, and the founder and CEO of the Indie Business Network, where we offer general and product liability insurance and personal entrepreneurial and small business training and mentoring in a group setting for American makers and artisan entrepreneurs. Our goal is to help you build a solid and profitable business that makes you happy and successful and can generate income for life. In this episode, I interviewed Chelsea Selby Randaza of Witch Baby Soap in Cranford, New Jersey. It was nearly a decade ago when in her kitchen, baby strapped to her chest, Chelsea first started making and selling soap and bath bombs and realized there was a market for products for what she calls weird and witchy people like her. As she began to make more products like the ones she wanted to have for herself, Chelsea realized that a business was being born. After selling her products on Etsy for less than a year, Chelsea launched her own website with no business background. She joined the Indie Business Network and the rest, as they say, is witchy history. Today, along with her husband, who has joined the business, Chelsea has a healthy online business selling direct to consumers. There's a popular subscription box and also several retail stores with a new one about to open as we speak. I can't wait for you to hear more from Chelsea in this super fun and enlightening conversation. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 94. And now let's get right to it with Chelsea Selby Randaza of Witch Baby Soap in Cranford, New Jersey. Chelsea Selby Randaza from Witch Baby Soap in Cranford, New Jersey. Welcome to Indie Business Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Chelsea, it is almost exactly 10 years since you started your business. So take us back a decade and tell us a little bit of your Witch Baby Soap startup story. Well, a lot has changed since then. Um, I We spoke nine years ago. So since the last time we spoke, I was, I was in my house. Um, I started in my kitchen. I was a new mother and I wanted my own money. Um, so I strapped my baby to my chest and I started making soap and bath bombs. And I realized there was a hole in the market. There wasn't a lot of products for weird witchy people like me. Um, so I was just determined to make stuff that I always wanted to see on the shelves. Uh, and it kind of just blew up. I started on Etsy and in less than a year, I was selling on my own personal website, which babysoap.com. And 
then I ended up just taking over the entire house. Every house, every room in the house became a witch baby room, um, started in the kitchen and then the office got filled and then our dining room was filled and then things started spilling over to the living room. And we were like, okay, I think this is a little bigger than what we previously thought. And we've just since grown from there into three storefronts an online store, a subscription box, and we have like a couple other special things in the works right now. So Chelsea, when you started off, you said you mentioned Etsy as your starting point. Like, did you, did you have like a plan or an idea for a business or were you just like, I just want to make some stuff and sell it on Etsy? Like what, what was your mindset at the time when you originally went on to Etsy? Um, well, I, you know, I didn't really, I never had a business background. Um, I lived through the, like as an adult, uh, the 2008 recession, I graduated high school in 2006 when things were pretty easy and you could get a job anywhere. And then all of a sudden I was thrown into a recession. I was unemployed for nine months. Um, then during that period of like economic decline, um, I got pregnant in 2011. I got fired while I was pregnant and I was kind of a little salty about that. So I didn't, I was, I was kind of having a bad taste in my mouth about going back to work for someone else, mm -hmm. um, and realizing how the world treats mothers, you know, um, realizing how the workplace treats mothers. So I wanted to take my power back, essentially. Um, I wanted to be in control of my job. And it just came, it was a multiple things. I'm a creative person. I like working creatively. I wanted the security of being in control of my own business and my own job. And I wanted the ability to stay home with my daughter. So Etsy just seemed like the perfect fit to get started. It, it just kind of all lined up in mm -hmm. a weird way where when you're going through it and it seems really hard, you're like, why is this happening to me? But then um, you start to realize that there's a reason that everything happens. It, it sounds like you, you started to think this is not really happening to me. It's happening for me and I'm going to make it work for me. Yeah. You know, some of the worst experiences in my life have always led to better situations um, and getting out of situations that really weren't a good fit for me. So Chelsea, I want to explore what you just said about the security of working for yourself. A lot of, a lot of times, I think sort of in quote unquote, the world, we're told that the security that you have in terms of supporting yourself comes from a quote unquote, secure job. And I think back during the recessionary times that you mentioned a while ago, that started to shift in a lot of people's minds because so many people lost their quote unquote secure jobs. Can you share sort of your mindset and your approach of, you know, what security means to you vis-a-vis -vis having your own business as opposed to a job that somebody else is in control of in your life? Absolutely. Well, I think it's a little different too, um, depending on a person's background, because um, I I guess I'm more willing to take risks. I never grew up. Um, sorry, that was my mom called. <laughs> I never grew up um, in a situation where 
I had a, a money to fall back on. I was living in poverty. I really had nothing to lose. The only thing I could do was build a business um, that was maybe successful or just be at the same place that I was, <laughs> you know? Um, so for me, it wasn't a huge risk mm -hmm. for me to work on a business and try mm -hmm. to bring in money. Um, I, before starting Witch Baby, the most I got paid was $9.50 an hour. <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, and you're it, that that you're so you make such a really good point about our backgrounds, and we as we as we are raised and we become adults, we do have th this lens that is given to us that we have no control over uh, as children, and then we sort of see the world, um, you know, from that perspective until we kind of get out in it, and then we have to adapt, you know, our own perspective. So, which baby soap? Now, I, as you mentioned, we talked a year or so after your business started. So I've seen and watched from afar all of the evolution, and it's such an exciting thing to see. So if you could share with our listeners just what does your brand stand for? Like, what is the core messaging of the Witch Baby Soap brand? So a lot of the messaging that's built in and baked into Witch Baby Soap has to do with my own personal journey of healing. Um, I have PTSD um, from trauma uh, of sexual assault. Um, and I had personal issues with my own body and leaning into self-care and spirituality are two of the things that really helped pull me out from some of the darkest places that I've been in in my life. Um, so I really wanted to spread the message of like how powerful self-care can be and how powerful beauty can be when it's not focused on um, the male gaze or like what you need to fix about yourself or, you know, erase or it, I really didn't enjoy the problematic language of the beauty industry. So in the punkest way possible, I just wanted to be the change that I wanted to see. That is so fascinating. So um, there's an there's an internal focus for the products that you make. And, and I, I kind of see this like on your Instagram in particular, where they're beautiful, they're pretty, they're interesting to look at. And of course, the photographs are gorgeous. But I also do sense and detect that there is an internal message there that every person that's interested in your brand sort of adapts and puts their own definition on when they're using your products and sort of being empowered by the messaging of the brand. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's even the path with like, you know, we're, we're witches, obviously, uh, at which baby. And a lot of people have an idea about like what a witch is, or they think like witches worship the devil or any uh, those types of things, but it's really just about personal empowerment. It's about, you know, embracing your inner goddess and being connected to nature and finding grounding and being mindful and having gratitude. It's all of that is baked into the ethos of witch baby. 
And, you know, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, you are the innovator of so many unique products, one of which is, I think it's a a, a coffin bath bomb. Yeah, so that that's one that definitely um it used to raise a lot more eyebrows than I think it does. I think it's become a little more commonplace in the marketplace. But when we first created the coffin bath bomb, it was uh, the first of its kind in the market. Now if you look on Etsy, they're basically everywhere. Um but it was just like, you know, a way of letting go. So in witchcraft we use a lot of symbolism. Mm-hmm. Um so having a coffin bath bomb, it doesn't mean anything dark or scary. It's just a really nice way of letting go. Like if you had a bad day and then you put the coffin bath bomb in your bath, it's like RIP bad day and you let go of it. See, and this is what, this is what is so fascinating to me. So it's like, not just a bath bomb because a bath bomb, like what it's got four ingredients in a bath bomb. You can make a bath bomb. You can buy a bath bomb anywhere. But in your case, you have connected the actual product and the, the usefulness of the product as a, as a thing, as a, as a commodity with a message to a specific target audience. Right. And that is so fascinating. So like, that is so it's not always easy for people to do. So can you share like, what is your thought process behind when you're coming up with a new product and you're like, okay, I'm going to make this new product or we're going to launch this new product. We don't want it to be just, you know, another bath bomb or another sugar scrub or what have you. We want it to be connected and integrated into the messaging of our brand. Do you have a thought process or any ideas, tips or recommendations that you can share with other people who need to do that as well? Yes. So, um, all our products, they have specific intentions. Um, I think when you're creating something, it's good to know like what the purpose of what you're creating is. Um, you know, even if it's just to bring people joy to their day, that always seems to shine, shine through whatever your specific intention is. And it may not be obvious to everybody, but for the people who pick up on what your intention is, it means a lot to them. And that kind of creates a connection with your customer on like a, if you know, you know, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? I I actually do. And, and so it's like, it's clear or somewhat, everyone can see it, but only the people that it resonates with are, are the ones that you're really trying to attract. Like you want everybody to see it, obviously, so everybody knows you have a business and everybody knows you have products, but you just want the people who are more likely to like have it resonate with them to actually come and follow along it and basically become a part of your brand community. Absolutely. Like there's a million bath bombs out there. I'm making bath bombs for a a specific person, Mm -hmm. you know, with specific interests. And I think the way that you can kind of get to the core of what you, who your target person is, is I I did this thing Etsy in the very early days. I don't know if they still have this, but they had these like branding worksheets. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would, I printed them all out and I love filling out like worksheets and journals and stuff like that. So this was like fun for me. Um, But it was basically you describe your ideal customer in detail, like even down to what they wear, what shows they watch, what their daily life is like, who they are, 
And then if you can kind of like get an idea of who you are selling to, it becomes easier to create the products for the people that you're selling to. I'm selling to people who are a lot like me. So it's authentic. It's true. And, you know, the people like me, I know there's not a lot of products that were out for me when I first started. So, you know, it, I was creating something unique and individual. And I think everybody is unique and individual in their own way. So you just have to figure out like what makes you unique and individual, you know, and there's other people out you out there who are like you that want the things that you want. Such great points. I love the way you summarized that. Chelsea, tell us a little bit about how you transitioned from Etsy to your own website. Like a lot of people struggle with that. And do you have any like tips or challenges that you face that you can share with others if they want to move from Etsy to their own branded website? Um, well, I, my business had only been on Etsy for, let's see, uh, less than five months, five months before I switched. Um, we were selling out within minutes uh, and then the fees, I know the fees are even higher nowadays. Um, the fees were kind of like cutting into (laughs) what, what I was making. So I wanted to bring it to my own website. I also wanted to like customize the look, you know, I grew, I grew up when my space was in its prime. So I know a little bit of coding. I wanted to like have a, have my own place. You know what I'm saying? Without the Etsy template. Um, right. Did you code your own first website? I didn't code my own first website, but I do know how to like put a little bit of like, you know, sometimes you have plugins and you have to put mm-hmm. some code in. Um, I did that type of stuff. Okay. Okay. Cause now, I mean, is your website on Shopify now? It's on Shopify. Yeah. Like, cause back then there was no Shopify. Like we had to use other things. I don't think there was Shopify a Shopify was 10 years brand ago. brand new when okay. I got on it. It was brand okay. new. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah. I remember when you opened your first store, like tell us like, Now, let me just confess, Chelsea, I had a retail store once and I was an abysmal failure. Um, It was actually hilarious um, in hindsight how things turned out. But in your case, not only did you open one, but you have opened three so far. I feel like the landscape for in-store selling too has totally changed and shifted. It's, It's so strange the way retail goes through trends because... Right now, I think we're also seeing a shift kind of away from online sales as much as we're like, as weird as that sounds with things like, um, you know, the new tax laws that require you to sign up for tax IDs in every state that you sell over 200 orders in um, and charge sales tax in those states, rising shipping costs, things like that. It's like a, it's like circular, you know, it, it just goes in a big circle. And I think we're going to cycle through in-store to online to in-store to online. <laughs> like, And so how, how did you decide? Is Was that part of your decision-making process? Like you just ran the numbers and went, you know what, we could probably, you know, increase our profit margins if we had a retail store, even though we have expenses for retail stores that we don't have if we just sell online. So this is, I guess, just another situation where things started to be lining up. Um, I was 
getting orders from parents at pickup and drop off at my daughter's school. They were having me bring their orders to pick up and drop off. And I was like, I'm thinking it might be time for a store. And we lived actually across the street from our first store. And once they put the for rent sign in the window, it was like blaring. It was <laughs> <That's> <laughs> every <handy. laughs> day. And we just finally were like, I think we should get that store across the street. So that's where we started. And um, that store actually wasn't even open a full year before COVID happened. Yes, I, I, that is so. So you you are so intuitive, like you're following the opportunities as they come along. and. Um, that is just such an inspiration. So how do you sell your products? I mean, you have three retail stores, you have a website, you have a subscription box. Like, do you do wholesale private label? Are there any other sorts of uh, ways that you sell your products today, Chelsea? I've tried wholesale in the past. Um, we, we prefer to be a direct to consumer company. Uh, it's just for me, more fulfilling. I think that there's value in being a wholesale company. You really just need to figure out what you enjoy doing the most. Um, I really like interacting with customers. I really like engaging with customers. I really like doing our social media. Uh, If that's not a thing that you enjoy, then wholesale is probably a better option for you. Okay, so I have to ask a question about the beautiful manicure of the hands that display your products on Instagram. Is that you? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay. It's <Thank> always <laughs> absolutely stunning. Like I'm looking at the products, but I'm also, I think I leave comments to them like, that's a beautiful handle, but those nails though. So, so Thank beautiful. You. Always. I've been a nail girl since high school. My well, mom. you have nailed the nails. Okay. Let me just say it's, it's always very pretty. You were saying your mom, what? My mom, uh, she's, she's a nail. She loves nails. She was, uh, my mom was actually a single mother and a bartender, um, in a go-go bar. So she's always, you know, been really into her looks and her nails. And one of the things that we would do um, when I was in high school and middle school is we would go get our nails done together. So I've always been like, you know, going with the the fancier nails. And that's part of also my self-care. Like it's so relaxing for me to just go get my nails done. Well, it also goes with the brand too, by the way. Always. I mean, I look at my hands and I'm like, it would be a nice bath bomb, but it just wouldn't look the same. I mean, it, it just goes with the brand message so well. And I love seeing all the pictures and everything. It just always looks so coordinated and everything and colorful and just really, really fun to look at. So Chelsea, like, how do you set financial goals for your business? This is something that a lot of creative entrepreneurs struggle with. We all obviously all want to make a profit, but we don't really have... um you know, a process for, okay, what does that mean? Like how much profit do we want to make? Like, do you have a plan or any sort of process that you go through to set financial goals and then organize your activities and your team's activities to meet those goals? I think, I think sometimes expectations of financial goals can even stifle creativity or stifle your natural growth or learning. Um, You know, Obviously, we all want to make a profit and we all want to grow, but 
growth year after year, um, time month after month is not always the case. And because, you know, I am a witch and I work closely with nature and nature cycles, I've learned to kind of temper my expectations of what's realistic and what's not nature doesn't grow all the time. There's going to be periods of like dormancy or periods where you're like working within to have a better growth cycle. And then there's also periods where, you know, things as we refer to like the tarot, the tarot cards that you have tarot moments where things will come down, things will break down, but those are always the opportunities for stronger um, building back stronger. So I try to just, you know, move through the ups and downs of business with very little expectations and take every day as it comes. <laughs> Is that, that, that kind of sounds confusing, I guess, but that's just the way I look at it. Um, my ultimate goal isn't to be the biggest brand or the most profitable brand. It's to be able to pay our bills, be able to pay our employees and have a comfortable business, essentially. I love that. It's a, it's a philosophical approach and everybody has one. And I, and I, I enjoy hearing that so much because you know exactly what you want to do. You know, you have, it sounds like defined what success or whatever that word would mean, but you have defined what you want and you have basically created a business that delivers that for you. I mean, you, you, your brand, you embody the brand, you are a witch, you have witch baby soap, you like making the products, you have built this business around what basically makes you happy. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 It's that's, that's the thing. It's just every day I'm doing what I love. I think Mm -hmm. our goals have more been people focused. Um, Mm -hmm. so in our, we have a staff and we would, when we were growing, um, we worked together as a team and our goals were not, let's make millions of dollars this year. They were like, let's pay for our health insurance. Let's Mm -hmm. cover our health insurance as a team. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's our goal that we're working towards. And we are all people who literally came from nothing. Um, We, the people I've been working with, I've worked with for years and we've built the business from the ground up. Um, And we all didn't have corporate jobs. We came from like a punk rock music scene and we work together to get ourselves better pay get ourselves health insurance um have paid vacation things that we never had before we all work together so those were our goals in the beginning was to just be able to have more stability health care you know the american dream <laughs> i love it chelsea what do you think are some of the key challenges that you faced over the years growing your business and and how did you meet and overcome some of those tough challenges so i i have so much more perspective on this post covid 
I feel like in the last three years, I've learned so many lessons in business that would take maybe a decade or more for people to learn. Um, and I think the most challenging part of running a business is that you always have to expect the unexpected. I now pay attention to the world news more than I ever have before, just to be ahead of potential issues. Like, you know, I think it was last year where Mm -hmm. the cartels in Mexico were holding the avocado farms hostage and Mm -hmm. that affected avocado oil prices Um, or even just like the war in Ukraine and it affecting sunflower oil prices, two oils that we use a lot. Right. Just knowing how to navigate and anticipate problems um, before they happen and have a plan A, B, and C if problems do occur. That's such a great description of the skill set of really anyone, but an entrepreneur in particular, because you do have to kind of pivot (laughs) when you see uh, a reason to do that. And we don't always get a lot of warning, but sometimes we do from the news and the world events that are happening around us. Chelsea, how many employees do you have in your business at at the present time? So right now, We have quite a few. We have multiple stores. So we have about, let me see. I haven't, I haven't counted (laughs) in a minute. Um, Okay. Let me see. We have. I'd say about, uh, about 20. Okay. And so, and they work obviously. Um, online in the different stores that you have, three retail stores, which yeah, is so we're exciting. Across, it's across like four, no, five businesses mm-hmm. because we have we have a subscription service, we have an online store, we have um, retail stores. Our retail so- stores are kind of like boutique style, mm-hmm. so they're not like big Ulta style stores that require you know a huge staff. It's just like we're in these re- very cute downtowns in these boutique style stores. So yeah, we we still kind of keep it, you know, to a smaller staff, I'd say. But yeah, about 20. Chelsea, tell us about the spell box. I'm so you mentioned the subscription, which is so incredible, witchbabysoap.club. There is the Witch Babies Spell Box. Tell us a little bit about that and how you came up with the idea for that subscription box. So um the spell box is a quarterly subscription and it has a bath bomb that is like crafted for each full moon of that season. So it's made with herbs and crystals that align with whatever sign the moon is in. And each bath bomb, basically, I mean, each spell box basically goes over a different tenet of witchcraft and magic. So this past box, it was all about flower magic. And it came with um, a rose of Jericho. It came with a floral bath salt. And the the a tarot card soap that had flowers in the imagery. So it discusses like all of the magic of flowers and how flower magic works. We've also done protection magic, um, water magic. 
art magic, just like different topics for each spell box, depending on the season. And one of the things I noticed too, which is so fascinating is like, I, what, I'm, what I'm exploring right now is like the innovation that just keeps happening. Like you recently launched a line of crystal infused astrology nail polishes. So, and I found myself, I saw it on Facebook and I, I, I was on my phone and I pinched it out and I was like, well, where's the Sagittarius? I, I had to, I was looking, looking for my sign. And that, I just found that so fascinating. How, how do you keep the innovation going? Like you're, I mean, we can get nail polish anywhere, but we can't get this nail polish with these kinds of messages associated with them. Like, do you, do you have team meetings where you guys talk about new ideas and then you pick one or do you just make it up and run with it? Like, is there a process for this innovation that we see consistently coming out of the Witch Baby Soap brand? So that is actually a brand called Love by Luna. And one thing that we started doing when we opened the retail stores, we started featuring other smaller brands that um, like us who have the same type of intentions and messages. We have Love by Luna. They, They create crystal nail polishes. We love them so much and we just put them on our website. Um... We also carry these really interesting like hair products, like these hair clips and things like that Mm -hmm. that are made by tarot card illustrators and match tarot decks. Um, So these are these are awesome collaborations that you're talking about with brands that are that complement yours that you can also sell their products in your in your stores and what have you. Yes. So we are selling, like we have um, these evil eye scrunchies that are handmade by a company called Yeah Bunny in Poland. So we've been bringing other handmade brands into our stores. um, And we found that people were really enjoying other creators products too in our Mm -hmm. space. And I really find it fulfilling to feature um, other small businesses So we're starting to bring some of those online as well. Um, Love by Luna was one of our first cosmetic brands that we've brought online to our website. So we're really excited about that. We actually just put them on our website last month. Um, And we're, we're going to be opening because I've been loving curating all of these witchy brands. I started to find um, a whole bunch of like witchy home goods and witchy things that I want to sell, but they don't really fit the witch baby vibe. Like I I don't (laughs) really have a space to sell like a teapot that I think is cool, you know? (laughs) So we're opening um, a home goods store in Cranford this spring that is focused on small business and artists and it will be like a witchy home goods store. You know, that is so, fa- you're just taking over the town. Like that's what's happening. I think it's, I'm, I'm saying that tongue in cheek. It's just so exciting to see the growth and to see you, to see these opportunities almost, I'm not saying it's not any work, but it seems like they organically present themselves. And then you have an eye for what will probably work and what won't work. And then you are able to pursue in line with what you like to do and in line with your brand, what you think would be fun to do and also might work as a business. I'm just like 
following the breadcrumbs that life gives me, you know, that's a good way to think about it. Yes. And so you have to be less rigid to do that, right? In other words, you have a plan, but it's not so rigid that you that it's like set in stone and something that is not fun to follow and allow the flower to sort of open up before you. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like sometimes when you have a solid rigid plan, it sets mm-hmm. your, you, you set yourself up for kind of like, if you don't end up where you thought you were going to be, it can mm-hmm. be disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd rather just kind of go with the flow mm-hmm. and go where life takes me and just always be mm-hmm. happy about that than be worried mm-hmm. about some goalpost, you know? Isn't that what makes it fun? Like that makes it fun. Um, and I would imagine like, cause you're a parent as well. And as parents, that's what we have to do anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have some, some sort of plan for our kids, but at the end of the day, they always mess up the plan. <laughs> they always have their own ideas and we do have to be flexible. So I would imagine that the interplay between parenting a child and parenting a business, you, you kind of learn lessons along both paths that help you leverage the experiences in both arenas, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, parenting in itself is like... <laughs> You learn so many business business lessons from yeah. just managing a household and managing a kid, and also like the the politics of school things. And you know, yeah. I've been a class mom. I'm managing budgets for class parties and doing stuff like that. Um, there's just like you begin to realize that everywhere you turn. Um, it's it's a business lesson everything that you've done in your entire like you I come to realize that so many things in my life that I didn't think would matter or mean anything in my current business um, Mm -hmm. were important like the first time I ever sold anything I was a teenager and I was part of this hardcore music scene And I sold cupcakes and I sold out to a bunch of like heavily tattooed, scary men. Um, I sold out of all of these cupcakes and made a couple hundred dollars. And I was like, holy crap, that worked. I can sell things. And then I was watching these bands come out with like limited edition merchandise. They mm-hmm. would make like 50 of one type of t-shirt and it would sell out that night. And mm-hmm. so that's when I, where I started to learn okay, well, you know, if you create value and you create like this rare thing or this interesting thing, it will, it will sell. Um, Those things I would have not thought were relevant to what I'm doing today, but they were very relevant. They were a huge start. And even just building my confidence, going to punk rock flea markets and seeing like an alternative world where you don't have to just fit into a box. Yes, yes. Yes, I love that. The word confidence really stood out to me um, even before you said it as you were sharing some of your experiences and how you have harnessed things that have happened in your life to benefit you know, the outcomes that you want to create in your life. It's such a, it's so wonderful to hear some of those experiences. And I can see you selling out the cupcakes with all the 
tattooed biker guys. That must have been really, but you know, for a kid to make $200, like there's, that's a confidence builder all by itself. Like that's pretty amazing. So one of the things I've noticed is, um, and I think I'm right about this, that you and your husband work in some aspects in this business together, right? Yeah, we work together. Um, He was in property management and Mm -hmm. as the business started to grow, I basically just begged him to quit his job. I love it. I was like, you gotta, you gotta work with me. We need to do this together. Um, And now we run it together. He handles a lot of the, the financial stuff. He handles like negotiations and things like that. Um, I'm not very good at those things. So I am, I'm kind of a pushover and I'm kind of like, also when you're in business and you're a woman, it can be, it can be kind of difficult with when dealing with other men, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. negotiating prices, they mm. just are difficult sometimes. <laughs> so so, it, so the two of you have figured out how to leverage your strengths together as, as the leaders of the business and also as the, as a couple in your home, like that is, that is like a lot of people's dream. Like, you know that, right? Like a lot of people I talk to want to figure out how they can work with their partner to create some sort of business that allows them the freedom to, you know, enjoy making a living the way they want to and not be beholden or set into, you know, some other person's definition of how to support yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, it's a mixed bag because some people are like, oh, you work with your husband. I could never, we'd kill each other. I hear that a lot. Um, But I think the great part about working with my husband is that at the end of the day, we have to make up if we have a disagreement about Mm -hmm. something business wise. Mm -hmm. We don't just go home and stew over it and then come to work mad the next day at each other. We have to go home. We have to get dinner with our kid, drop her off right. for gymnastics practice. And we have to move through any type of problems that we're having or disagreements that we're having with business. So I think it is beneficial to have um, a business with your partner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's definitely helped us build a stronger relationship, but mm-hmm. it's one that requires a lot of work and communication. Mm-hmm. Which is always good for relationships anyway, right? Um, and yeah, the harder absolutely. you work, the better you become at it. So you're growing as a person as well. Yeah, um, we've basically grown up together. We've been together for 16 years ever since mm-hmm. we were like teenagers. So oh, that's so great. Wow, Chelsea. Well, this has been such a fascinating conversation. As, as we close things out a little bit here, I want to ask you if you could share you know, you've been in the industry and you've been an entrepreneur since you were selling cupcakes back in the day. What what do you see on the horizon for makers, creatives, and artists and entrepreneurs as, as we continue to move through this post-pandemic world? What opportunities, what, what do you see as um, coming down the pike for us to be able to continue to enjoy? I think that we are going to enter a space where there's more in-person events again. For a while, everything was kind of just online, Mm -hmm. at least for the last three years. Um, Now I'm seeing a lot of cool, unique, original events popping up all over the place. That's where we kind of built a lot of our following is working these flea markets and oddities markets, all kinds of like 
you know, unique events. I see that becoming more popular again now that we're getting out of the like online events and things Mm -hmm. like that. I do think Mm -hmm. that the online markets are probably not going to have the same impact that they once did. Um, And I'm talking about like online flea markets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's always good to still have a website and still do that. I do think online will continue to do its thing. I think it's good to have, you know, I think it's good to have an in-person presence and an online presence. And it's not Mm -hmm. really like an either or. I know with our society and with everything, everything seems to be kind of like one way or the other. I think you need to have a little bit of both. Well, life isn't one way or the other. Yeah. Is it like it isn't? And and do you love like when you get around your people, there's nothing like the physical energy of being around your people. And I haven't been to one of your stores, but I can imagine that when you walk in, there's an energy there that cannot be duplicated in an online environment. No. And it's a lot of about building experiences for people. Mm -hmm. And you know, your, your brand extends much more than just a product on a shelf. That's the nice thing about being a small business and being an entrepreneur and an indie maker is that you get to have that connection with the customer. You get to create this unique experience. That's not a cold corporate experience. Uh, it It is so, you are, what you are expressing is so visible in your brand. Like, and I love that, that, that synchronicity is there. It's just so clear um, that you have created something that just fulfills you from the inside out. And I, I just think like, what could be better about life than to spend it creating something that makes you content and happy and you can also eat and help other people in your community. I, I think it's just so great. So I, I want, you know, I just want to talk to you some more, but I've got to let you go. And I know that. So like, um, we'll do as this my, again. I hope we will, especially when you, when you, um, when you open your home goods store, I would love to come back and talk to you a little bit about that. But as we do wrap things up, Chelsea, you know, at the Indie Business Network, we work to empower makers and creative entrepreneurs to build a business that makes them happy and successful and really connects them to other like-minded people. Can you share what do you think is important for makers and creatives? Do you think it's important for them to, to be a part of some sort of community type organization that can help them in those ways? Absolutely. Um, uh, when we were starting, you know, your business, the Indie Business Network helped a lot. Um, I learned a lot just from having that community. Um, Facebook communities when Facebook was like in its prime were great for connecting with other makers. Mm -hmm. Um, I've made some great friends working events and having that type of community that I can lean on and talk to them about the business. Uh, Sometimes being an entrepreneur can be a lonely job. So you have to lean on your community. Yeah. Yeah. So, so great. Okay. So which baby soap on Instagram? Like I'm looking at this Instagram feed right now. It is dazzling to me over and over and over again. Um, I know you have some other ones, but is which baby soap the main one that we should start following you at? Yes. Which we're which baby soap on every platform. Um, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, 
even Pinterest. We're, we're on all of them. You are in all the places. And you said you you liked being a direct-to-consumer brand, so that's obviously really important. Um, and you've made that all work together. So everyone, listen, follow Chelsea's brand, Witch Baby Soap. When you go there on Instagram, you will be taken to the website, and you'll also see other places where you can go as well. And if you're in ever in New Jersey, there are three and soon-to-be four retail stores to choose from. So no excuse not to go and get your witch baby on. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us today on the Indie Business Podcast. Thanks for having me. We look forward to more. Have a good one. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Well, I hope this episode of the Indie Business Podcast left you inspired, motivated, and excited about the future of your business. Let's quickly review three of the most significant insights Chelsea and I discussed today. Number one, create more than products. There are a million products out there, folks. For example, says Chelsea, there are tons of bath bombs on the market. But when Chelsea designs a bath bomb for the Witch Baby brand, she's designing more than a bath bomb. She's designing a bath bomb for a specific purpose for a specific person in her specific target community. Her bath bombs have a purpose. When you create a product, Chelsea recommends that you take a similar approach. Create products with intention and meaning to your specific target customer. That meaning may not be obvious to everyone, but it will be obvious to the people you are targeting and that's all you need because those are the people you want to buy the product. As Chelsea says, it's kind of a, if you know, you know kind of thing. And that's what matters to your customer and to your bottom line. Number two, Chelsea on planning. According to Chelsea, focusing too intently on setting hard goals and bottom line expectations can stifle creativity and stunt natural growth and learning. Now, obviously we all wanna make a profit and grow our businesses, but growth year after year and month after month is not the natural way of things, says Chelsea. And because she works so closely with the cycles of nature in her business and her personal life, she has learned to temper her expectations. And this is a quote really closely to what Chelsea said, and I thought it was especially meaningful. So I'm going to quote it almost exactly to what she said during our talk. Nature does not grow all the time. There are periods of dormancy and periods of working within to have a better growth cycle. There are also moments where things will break down but those are opportunities for building back stronger. I try to just move through the ups and downs of business with very few expectations and take every day as it comes. I follow the breadcrumbs life gives me. My ultimate goal is not to be the biggest or the most profitable brand. It's to be able to pay our bills, pay our employees and have a comfortable business. My advice is to have a plan, but don't be rigid. When you have a solid, rigid plan, 
you set yourself up for disappointment if you don't end up where you thought you were going to be. I'd rather go with the flow where life takes me and be happy about that than be worried about getting to a specific goalpost. Wow, Chelsea, that was awesome. And number three, expect the unexpected. Chelsea says that in a post-COVID-19 world, she makes it a point to stay ahead of potential issues as much as possible by trying to expect the unexpected. She pays more attention now than ever to worldwide news reports. For example, a few years ago, she recalls reports of Mexican cartels holding avocado farms hostage. This ultimately resulted in a rise in avocado oil prices, which ultimately affected her costs. Had she not been paying attention to worldwide news that might not otherwise have seemed important to her, she would not have been able to anticipate the price rises and would not have been able to implement a backup plan in advance. Understanding how world events can affect your business is more important than ever now. And Chelsea does her best to stay as informed as possible, even in areas that may not seem relevant at first glance. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you automatically get our new episodes every time one comes out. Also, I'd love it if you left us a review so more makers like you can access these inspiring artisan entrepreneur stories. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, and all other major podcast platforms. And I'd love to get to know you more personally too. You can follow the Indie Business Network on Instagram at Indie Business. I also invite you to connect with me more personally on Instagram at Donna Maria CEO. And if you really want to get to know me more and take advantage of the personalized coaching and mentoring I deliver only to our members inside the Indie Business Network, I invite you to join us today at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash join and take advantage of our amazing growing community and the many benefits of membership, including our insurance coverage, promotional and networking opportunities, and more. I'll see you on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, enjoy your life, build your business, and have your way.